All right, folks, this is Going Off Track. Thanks to all the Going Off Trackians for listening. You like that? Yeah. It's yes. terrible. It's is, that, is that what we're going to use from now on? I don't know. I was thinking Atlanteans because I'm kind of nerdy and think that would fit. But we are at Rubber Track Studio in Ultra Hip, Brooklyn, New Jersey, Williamsburg, Williamsburg, comma, <laughs> Brooklyn, comma, New York City, comma, New York. So uh, skinny jeans to the left and the right. Brad and Jonah are here as per usual. All right. Today's episode is the most intense we've ever had. Jamie Kilstein, a comedian who, comedy nerds out there, you have heard him talking recently. You've seen him, seen a little bit of backlash towards Jamie. He's not really in the limelight at the moment, but he has a very interesting story to tell. Uh, I was familiar with him from seeing him on uh, Paul Provence's Green Room. But Jonah, you got Jamie in here and uh, you can give us the Cliff Notes version. Well, I've been talking to Jamie for a while about getting him in here because he's a really interesting guy. He kind of, you know, I met him through the Rise Against guys. He's very involved in music, activism, has his own podcast, Citizen Radio. Recently, he was he was on television kind of, um, you know, speaking out against Daniel Tosh for this rape joke he told. Right. And then he went on the Joe Rogan Experience, which is, you know, another podcast that I listen to and sort of got into it in a way that was... I would say uncomfortable to listen to for a while. I mean, I felt like the conversation went in circles. He was kind of saying it contributed to rape culture. You know, one in four women have, you know, these kinds of issues and it makes people... But you're a big fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, and that should be the disclaimer. Like, I, I'm a huge fan. I, l- I listen to every episode. I listen to all those guys. Well, you Jamie know. starts out when we sit down, before we even start rolling, start talking about, you know, doing comedy about drone strikes. So he obviously has things that are... Uh, you know, that taking a subject matter that's not comfortable and making a joke out of it. Yes. And he's he's a left comedian. He says yes. that. He says, I'm left to the left. And so. as are, you know, Rogue, I mean, like that, you know, Joe's podcast or Duncan Trussell or Joey Diaz, if you any of those guys, I mean, they're very on the fringe as far, you know, when it comes to the government, conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. Mm-hmm. Like, it's definitely not politically correct. But but this but, this this episode really takes going off track to a whole new level to the point where even Jonah tried to steer it back towards. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I, Jamie's been getting a lot of flack over his opinions. I mean, and I feel like, you know, especially from the comedy community and he hasn't really had an outlet because I felt like he kind of got shut down. So this, this is the first time he's talking about it. This is the first time he's talked about it. This is how, you know, maybe how it's impacted him. I think it's still really fresh. I mean, he's was getting tweets while we were doing the podcast hateful tweets so i think it's important for him to be able to kind of have a forum to talk about this where you know it's a little bit less confrontational and more of kind of a dialogue brad of all the times for you not to be sitting in the room i know i know i had special pro- project took your reasoning away. is sound and someday we will discuss it but <laughs> this is an amazing episode we're thrilled to have Jamie on. It's going on Anytime you can begin with a drone strike, I think you're well on the way to a fascinating conversation because there's part of me with drones that goes, yeah, robots, and then there's part like, wait a minute, that's not cool, you know? Right. Well, we can talk about that because that yeah. I, I feel like that's like a lot of like the uh, – so many of the political issues are so hard. Like when you first think about it because you're like, of course, like robot over human, right? Yeah. Like that's good. But then you look at like the track record 
where it's just like uh, we're killing like a shitload of kids and like mm-hmm. bombing wedding. I mean, it sounds like it's literally just like a wedding destroyer. You know what I mean? Like someone who just hated weddings, like made this robot that like targeted wedding. Like we're only killing like innocent people, and then that makes like accountability less. And then when it's also when it's not human, you have that like all right, so you're kind of getting rid of emotion too. So not only do you have these mistakes because they're being like piloted by like these like video game dudes essentially like in the deserts in like Nevada and fucking New Mexico, but. Uh, but yeah, when you take like when you make it a video game, I mean, fuck man, when the Iraq war started, I you know, fuck it, it was 11 years ago so I was younger. Uh but like I uh you know, I remember thinking they had something to do with 9/11 and I considered myself liberal and I considered myself like pro not war, pro peace. And like you watch that, you remember like the news, it was just like the neon green screen and you you wouldn't see people, you would just see like explosions and it did look like a video game. To the point where I remember I was like, fuck yeah. Like I was watching. I was like, yep, we got them. You know, because you didn't see like the fucking pregnant women or you didn't see like the children who were killed. You just saw this like – so I'm like the more you make war like a video game, the easier it's going to be I think to like kill people and start more wars. What's an old argument and and it's an argument that goes back to even the Korean War and Vietnam and and, and – not so much, you know, the first two big ones. There's been, what, a conflict every 10 years the country's, you know, right. been around. since. I think since the Civil War, every 10 years there's been something going on. I'm not a history guy. Um, <laughs> but there was that argument with pilots. Right, right, That you're a pilot and you're flying over and you're just dropping your payload. Right. And you're like, I, dro- I got it off, man. Yeah. Dropped off the bombs. You don't know what you hit and you, do not, you don't see the action. You don't see the repercussions of what happened. Well, Howard Zinn was a fucking, uh, did that. Really? Yeah, he. I mean, Howard Zinn served. I, I, again, you would never know that because whenever you hear about Howard Zinn or these people, it's like you know they're called these fucking like anti-war American hating. It's like no, dude, he was a fucking bomber. I'm like, I, I don't think it was. He may have even. No, I, 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 I definitely don't want to misquote, but like around the time of Dresden, I don't want to say he was bombing Dresden because the thought of like Howard Zinn trying to bomb Kurt Vonnegut is like way too much for me to handle. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, he was like a pilot and, and that was one of the, you know, we interviewed him on, on our show and like to hear him talk about, yeah, cause you just know him as this like peace guy, you know, this anti-war activist. Right. And, but that's one of the reasons he became such a strong anti-war activist. And it's so fucked up that we live in a country where, like, you have people who didn't serve, who get to start all the wars, who get to advocate all the wars, who get to go on TV over and over again, after they've advocated failed wars. That fucks with me even more. We're like, you know, <clears throat> these people, like, these pundits who are on TV talking about Iran, how we need to bomb Iran, or how Israel needs to bomb Iran, are, are the same people who said we need to go into Iraq. And it's like... You, if you advocate a fucking disastrous failed war, you should have to sit the next war out, right? <clears throat> well, or, then we wouldn't have been able to do anything because that'd be the, what the last all, all of them, you know, except for Grenada, which was right. there was that old SNL joke, "What a weekend," you know, right, 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 they did right. A whole, the whole, the whole great bit of but it. But I mean, when you think about how many, you know, activists, I mean, fuck, man, all of my friends, all of my wife's colleagues at the Nation, it's like, when do these people, you know, your wh- wife wh- works wh- for the Nation. What's that? Your wife works for yeah, the Nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's only been there for. I mean, she she free. I mean, she has a regular gig but she freelances so she like works from home and stuff yeah. like that we've always been kind of afraid to like because every community i've i've like uh involved myself in minus jujitsu oddly enough uh i've just started like loathing it and so she has this great gig where it's like you know she gets to 
right from home and like we can be friends with these people and see them at parties but like you don't have to go in like day to day like my dad like when i wanted to <laughs> before i was a failed comedian i wanted to be a failed musician and my dad uh was always like you gotta go to music school and i was like it's gonna make me fucking hate music like it's gonna make me hate music i know it is like it's gonna make me think of it as like a job or whatever and uh is that on your business card jamie kilstein failed comedian failed comedian failed musician i don't yeah. back that statement from everything i've heard <laughs> on the read. back it just says daddy issues um yeah but like oh then you must be a comedian yeah oh, that's true um that's evidence uh but fucking uh like whenever i see like a left-wing comedian that's terrible this is like how i feel like if i worked at like the nation and i didn't like the people i worked with even if they're doing like good work but i'm like you're kind of a spoiled shit or whatever i would be so nervous that that would make me hate like when I, whenever i see like a yeah like a left-wing comedian who's bad I'm like, you're making me hate comedy and want to vote Republican. Like, and just your act is making me hate everything that I love, mm-hmm. which makes me want to attack you. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, you know what I think is interesting? I know you cover a lot of protests and stuff. I've been to one, and yeah. it was for the School of the Americas. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Fort yeah. Benning when I was in college. Which is, if anyone doesn't know, it's essentially like an assassination school. Yes. And we went in there, and they talked to us. That's supposed us. to be sniper school? Is that what it is? Is that a different joint? Uh, kind of it's like the covert like assassinations and like but it's yeah it's just labeled a lot of people don't know it but it had to do with like a lot of like overthrowing people who we probably shouldn't have overthrown and you know stuff like that it's the democracy stomping school full of assassins got it where are you from uh jersey whereabouts uh right in between princeton and trenton (gasps) where pennington new jersey yes Really? Yes, I know. Where, I know. I know right where you are. Where? Uh, did you grow up around there? No, 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 no. But I, but I reside in Central Jersey now. So. Oh, okay, cool. So where right in Central Jersey are you now? I'm in Princeton. Oh no, shit. Yep. I was just there. Yeah, I always go to see my family there. I was there this morning. I love it. Uh, there's definitely like I'm like a total city person now, but I I'll always have like a soft spot for like fucking suburbs and. But it's weird after living in New York. Like I remember. When I went back to Pennington, anytime I would go back to Pennington, I'd be like super happy because I'm like, oh, it's quiet and safe and blah, blah, blah. But then I went back after like really finally like loving Brooklyn and loving where I live and loving New York. And then I was like, I went back and I went into the store. And it's not just that there are like a lot of white people as much as you walk in and it feels like a horror movie where like all of the minorities have been kidnapped or in like a basement somewhere. (laughs) Where like I've never just like been so aware of whiteness except for when i go back and then i'm like what happened to i mean but i even remember like growing up where like you wouldn't even refer to like it would just like in school it would be like the black kid like you wouldn't even refer to him like by name yeah. you're just like the the black one the singular it's the black kid like and that there was, was it. a study recently that the generation now that's you know going into college who who i just learned the kids going into college now were were born in 94 which means kurt cobain has always been dead to them which now just freaks me out that was a weird that was a fucking dark way to put it but yeah you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, um, yeah totally. uh but well now that's all i can think about uh <laughs> but they don't they supposedly this generation just goes with a guy in glasses and their principal like the black kid like well he's wearing glasses dude that's he's the only one wearing glasses why do you have to go there right which i think is very cool and i i sincerely hope my my kids will be a thousand times cooler than that uh, oh, protest uh, 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 the School of the Americas. Yeah, look at that. Yes. Let's do it. Wow. Bam. I got a podcast. I know my... I, 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 yeah, I but ours is called Going Off Track, and by doing that, you're just ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. That That's a fucking... 
that's a that that's a that that uh, that's a bit I wish I I thought like I wish I could just like call our podcast like no answers yeah it's so it, it's a little bit of a lazy way to do it but it's also awesome yeah like people can't bitch because you're like that's the bit yeah yeah my wife said there's a story i really wanted you guys to finish but it went to something else then i forgot what you were talking about before <laughs> i get those emails all the time where they're just like just tell me what happened with your little brother and i'm like i don't i don't even the weirdest is when like you digress so much that like people come up to you with like crazy callbacks that you don't even remember that were like in the middle of like one tangent that digressed like where there was a point where like like it was have a fan be like hey at least i'm not ted kennedy's fetus and i'm like why is this crazy person <laughs> talking or like i guess we had a bit one time about how we like hated tall people there was something called tallville and you like i don't know it had to do with like peeing on tall people and so like this one like tall dude like hugged me and he was like don't pee on me and i was like why <laughs> why would i do that that's just a weird thing that i wouldn't do um but anyway so the protests uh that's actually my wife's beat for the nation as she covers she was like the one of like three journalists that took occupy wall street seriously the first day nice. which is pretty much like how she started to get rocket. That was like the first time she went on like major TV and stuff like that. Cause she was just like, this is going to be really big while other people were just like Ugh, hippies. And yeah. uh, so that's been kind of her beat now is like protests. And like now she's like kind of taking it to like the student debt movement and, and shit yeah. like that. Um, but back to your, pro- not that you Did have you to. Did you have cause, fun cause at the protest, Jonah? I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, but that's kind of all I took away from it. I've been to one protest in my life, and I was going to school in England a long time ago. Those kids who are starting college now weren't even born yet, and I was walking one way on the street. Was Kurt Cobain dead or alive? He was alive. All right, okay. And apparently fine okay. at the time. Uh, <laughs> thriving. Thriving. Yeah. Like Heart-shaped box was on the radio all at right. the time. People were happy. Everyone's, it was a different time. Everyone was pretty happy when you're like, hey, Kirk Cobain, you're like, that guy's probably doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nothing seems to be bothering him. Bad. That guy's got it all. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I was going to school in England, in London. I was walking up the street, looking, just to paint the picture, as cool as you could look in the early 90s. I had on shorts with like black long johns underneath, nice. Doc Martens. And a flannel shirt tied around your waist? Uh, no, but that a crow comic book t-shirt before the movie came out all right suck it everyone so wait so ladies uh, he's married so if we're trying to figure out time was this was this during the time if you were alive back then this was before brandon lee was shot and killed before those dreams were taken away from him before before it was destroyed so brandon lee again you'd watch him and you're like this guy's gonna probably live forever everything's good's happening to him man he should hang out with kirk (laughs) (laughs) work on that concept record all right Um, walking down the street and and approaching me down the street is a free tibet march okay just marching walking marching walking and i literally went what the hell and i just turned and i hopped (laughs) in the march and i walked all the way down to 10 downing street and stood out front for a while that's amazing well and it's 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 hard it's really hard to convince people to protest because even when you do have like a good time or whatever or you feel like solidarity with people it's kind of like okay so what did we accomplish right right and i'm definitely in that sort of like camp where like i I see why it's really important but i also really understand why people are cynical about it um and there are some people who are so cynical about it that they're just 
assholes. They're just looking for a reason to be apathetic. And if Occupy fails, even if they agree with everything Occupy stands for, they are happy because they get to go, okay, I don't have to leave my house. You know what I mean? And that's sort of – they're just looking for an excuse to make apathy sound cool. The Daily Show is guilty of that. The Daily Show will – at a point where they compare it to Occupy Wall Street to uh, the Tea Party. And they would only show, you know, the crazy grandmother protester or the show like, you know, the hippie who thinks like he can fucking, you know, make it rain anytime he's sad or whatever. Instead of showing like the unemployed teachers, the nurses who were laid off, the people who do have jobs uh, who go down there as well. And I think that's really you, dangerous. Especially- you, think that, you think that's because they have that weird line they've drawn for themselves comedy wise? It's super bizarre where like something happened after Bush was out of office. Where, like, I'm all about criticizing Democrats. We do on the show. I mean, you can criticize them for the right reasons, but I think they almost do it like they have a fucking quota where they're like, we have to, you know, make fun of the what they call the extreme left. You know, John Stewart was interviewed by Rachel Maddow and was called out because, you know, he compared... I think he compared like the Tea Partiers who say, you know, Barack Obama wasn't born in America to, you know, the people on the left who, who think George Bush should be charged with war crimes. And Rachel Maddow's like, well, but George Bush has committed war crimes. And he's like, well, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean you have to. And it's like, ah, oh, you sound just like a fucking sad old man who like sold out all of his fucking beliefs. And, and it's really dangerous, you know, and take in mind, like, I fucking laughed hysterically at Colbert and John Stewart and they've done really good work, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it's really dangerous when The Daily Show is known as sort of like as left as you can get. So then, you, and, you know, they always talk about how more t- teenagers watch The Daily Show for the news instead of like the news, which is fine because for the most part, a 24-hour news cycle is ridiculous. Um, but what's so scary about that is... Then when Jon Stewart says protest is stupid, you have all these people who, again, think they're as left as they can get by watching The Daily Show. And they go, oh, well, if if John says that's too extreme, it's probably too extreme. You know what I mean? And they kind of make fun of protesters, too. So sort of going back to the point um, or going on another another tangent, I mean, that happens to be the answer to the original point. Yes. Is um, Jeff Fun at Fort Branning? Was it good? (laughs) is, Is it's tough because if the media doesn't cover it i think it always comes down to it being sort of the media's fault because if the media doesn't cover it and you hear these stories about innocent protesters being arrested or um being pepper sprayed or just getting the shit kicked out of them by cops i mean so many of my journalist friends journalists not just like they have a tumbler but like worked for the guardian was punched by a cop um you know have been arrested and stuff i think people are like i think what they tell themselves is protest doesn't work because that it's much easier to sort of rationalize not going. But I think deep down, and I, cause, and I know this because I've caught myself doing it, and I'm like, I host a progressive podcast, and like, this is our job. But I've been like, uh, what's, why would I want to go down there and get arrested if it's not even going to cover, if it's not even going to get covered on the news? You know what I mean? And I think that if it really did get covered, if the police brutality did get covered and stuff like that, people would definitely. I think feel like they were uh, accomplishing something. You know, the protest movement in the UK is much bigger. Um, oh, that was huge! Than the over, austerity measures and yeah, everything they were doing. That was bonkers. Mean, and and actually, I mean, Occupy Wall Street was sort of um, inspired by this thing called UK Uncut, which was all about austerity measures, which became that was huge. the circumcision thing. Yeah, it became huge in the UK, and then they tried US Uncut, which was like 
Much smaller, uh, but a lot of the organizers from US and Cut started like to point out how awesomely you just bowled over that awful joke I made. Oh, I'm sorry. What was it? You said, is it was UK uncut? No, oh, that was the circumcision thing. Oh, I think I said yes. I was like, yep. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, it's, so it's really hard because if no one does anything, nothing's going to happen, right? But isn't it fascinating how in, in the UK that it's they are protesting more government involvement? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like they want, like, like no, fuck you. Pay for me to go to school. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, I think I figured out like one of the reasons that like Republicans who may seem like decent people are like crazy Republicans, especially in move a vote for Mitt Romney who wants to shut down Planned Parenthood and all this stuff. But over taxes, and they talk about government involvement, is the thing is like our government does suck, uh, and the Democrats do suck because the Democrats aren't actually being liberal you know the stimulus didn't work as much as uh, it should have because the stimulus because it wasn't enough fucking money Mm because they should have doubled it um and so when you see that you know the results are what they are because the democrats haven't gone as left as they should have Mm -hmm. and then you own like let's say a small business and you get your taxes and you do get fucked and you're like so i'm getting fucked for this I think they realize that like they think they're the one percent because they maybe make two hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever, and you're not. Uh, you're you're not the people that Occupy is talking about when you say they need to be getting taxed. Unless you're listening to this podcast and you happen to be like a billionaire fucking senator or whatever, uh, which you would have a super strange audience. Um, you're getting <laughs> fucked, and so the problem is. If you are middle class, you maybe get you're getting fucked as well. But Occupy and stuff want the people that have like yachts to pay a little more taxes, so you don't have to pay as, as much taxes. But like, I mean, even this year, I had my Republican moment where like, yeah, we got our taxes, and I was like, fuck, <laughs> like that's a lot of money uh, that I have to give this government. I don't think that's a Republican like. moment. I think that's it's safe to say you're you know fiscally conservative, and I think that that's how it works out. I do that every fucking year you know when when this was the first tax year with the kids and i'm like i thought they would save us more than that right i got you married know? i thought i was gonna yeah get some breaks or whatever and oh marriage and they combine it they combine it I know. and and then you, and then you're like well i'm paying for the wars and technically and you're like all right am i gonna be one of those guys that's like i'm fiscally conservative to me when you're liberal but everything and you're fiscally conservative that just means like you're kind of like i don't know like that to me is even like where it's like i'm cool with all the given all the other fucking the feminists and the gay people there whatever they want but like don't take my money like i still hate poor people <laughs> like because I, I don't think people like understand like even the ones when they're like well i finally made it you know or like you know i'm successful and i don't want them taking my money because i made it and it's like well right but like why did you make it because of the schools because of the roads because of the police protecting you like you know like the all the like ayn rand people they act like you know the ceo is a fucking verizon and stuff like they built that building themselves like these people can't do shit they're just fucking bureaucrats who fucked over enough people to make it to the top you know what i mean but if you were like even if you asked the ceo of verizon like how does a phone line work could be like i don't i know how to fire people you know what i mean like they don't really they what about that mentality themselves. of you know you're uh, there's uh people who get up to that point who aren't schmucks because there are a couple of course but like the people who are just good at management. Well, so many know? of those people want to give... I mean, you look at, like, the Bill Gates and the Steve Jobs and... Well, no, Apple actually has done a lot of fucked up things. But, like, I mean, lots of those people who make it do want to give back. You know, I mean, Bill Gates was, like, so, so charitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there are there are definitely people... But then why did he spend all that money to have 
Leonardo da Vinci's diary purchased and put in his house. Because rich people are crazy. Because you don't need that, and you can put it in a museum. Unless when it says donated by by such and such, he gets like a write-off for that. I don't know. That shit maybe blows it's my just mind. like, what do you buy at that point? Nothing. Like, you give it all away. Yeah, see, that's my... That's where I get sort of like... You don't have enough years in your life to spend it. You don't have enough seconds in your life to spend it. So here's what's fucked up. So I was just asking my wife about that because that what you just said, like, it, it, it boggles me every day where it's like, okay, so if all of us, let's say we had a million dollars, that to us is like so much money. Like, I'd be like, I'm done, yep. you know? Uh, and let alone 10 million, let alone 100 million, let alone a billion or whatever. But once you reach a certain point, what, what naive me thought... Uh, was like, you don't need anymore, let alone, like, it would be one thing if, like, let's say Citizen Radio becomes, my podcast becomes so popular that we make a billion dollars. Can we be part of your network? You can be part of the network, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then, see, I'm already giving away money. Um, I, but it, as long as we didn't make it, like, selling out our ideals, like, if we made a, a billion dollars while fucking criticizing America's foreign policy, talking about being vegans, about being atheist. All right, we did something right. We deserve that because those are but not- But you have an iPhone, so you suck. Uh, yeah, so I'm a sellout. Uh, <laughs> so the, 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 but those are not popular things to talk about. So if we made that money, good good on us, I, th- I think. Um, but let's say we're only making money by you know increasing our listeners or increasing our memberships or whatever. That's one thing. And it's also completely unrealistic. That would never happen. But- if you already have, let's say, $10 million, so that is like the low end, right? The low end of rich, of wealthy. Um, and someone's like, you can make another $5 million. You already have like your fucking cars. You can take a vacation whenever you want. Your kids have gone through college. You have your fucking mansion, your pool. Anything you want, you can still probably afford a $10 million. Um, someone's like, you can make another $5 million if you fire 20,000 people. If you destroy these people's lives. That's like another level of fucking sociopath. Like where it's one thing like – I mean Allison and I, once we got an apartment and like um, and like a couple like cool things that I've always wanted. Like we're not going to have kids. So we bought like jujitsu mats for our for this like extra little room we have. And I'm just – and even that I like felt guilty about. I'm like, oh, no, I don't need this. Like we could fucking feed people in that room. I don't know. But I had like liberal guilt. Um, but like if, if we knew in order to get jujitsu mats uh, – 10 people would lose their jobs and maybe like lose their homes and I'll make money. I'd be like, I don't, I don't need jujitsu mats. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's like when you get to that level, but then, so here's what we learned. So I asked Allison that in this very like idealistic, like, why are people so mean? Like they don't need enough money. Don't they know that? And once you reach that level of fucking wealth, it's not about money anymore. It's not about like shit you can buy, which is what I thought because me and you, oh, the three of us have no fucking idea what it's like to be that rich. It's about, now it's about like lists and getting into like fucking rich people magazines. Like, Forbes magazine is all about like prestige and like making that top 10 of like wealthiest people and shit like that. So now it's this whole like psychological realm. Ego. Yeah. And that's sure. even like fucking scarier. Like well, that's kind of how they got to that point. A lot of those people got to the point anyway. Yeah. Is ego. What gets me about that behavior. And this is fascinating. Jonah, well thought out with today's guest. <laughs> well I cannot done. take credit for well Jamie's done. existence. Sadly. <laughs> it's, a, it's our second cross pollinating <laughs> podcast. We had Julie Klausner on where we talked about the monkeys, which we can get into seriously. <laughs> 
seriously with that upcoming tour. Dude, I've never met her. We only have we have one friend, Ted Leo. We're both really good friends with, and I've never met her. And she's so funny. And like, I, I've awesome. never even heard her podcast because like I don't listen to podcasts really. I have like zero time. Hers is really but funny. I heard she's fucking awesome. I heard her producer had uh, had some tweets that really made me laugh. I forget that guy's name. Oh, but, Spoonie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, they both seem awesome. Uh, anyway, sorry. Well, we're glad to have have uh, have you on with your podcast and have Julie's podcast on. We're gonna be a big. Pod, I love the podcasting world, which is basically what you're talking about is um, making everything like PBS, you know, donor yeah, funded yeah, yeah, things yeah. like this, which is an inter- which is very interesting, which leads me to my next point, which is rare. I worked for a uh, number of nonprofits in California. Yeah. Uh, one was an after school program that's still there in Los Angeles called LACERS, the Los Angeles Center for Education Research. And it's awesome. My buddy runs it and it was put together by... Um, a uh, uh, former council member there named Jackie Goldberg. Who okay. You look at old uh, Berkeley protest footage, Jackie's at the forefront. You know, <laughs> she's one of these people. She put this thing together, which was to give kids who have no place to go a place to hang out and learn something. So it was music, theater, um, art. And I, my friend of mine, my friend said, you should come in and like be a theater teacher with everybody. And I went, okay. So I, I taught. And then we would have our giant... Uh, fundraiser at the end of the year where they would run out Paramount Studios and the kids would perform and people would show up. And I was looking at the donor lists and one name just just jumped out at me. I've never been able to shake it off. You're welcome, by the way, for the donation. Well, thank you very much. You've got a microphone. Um, <laughs> and you get this small child who's been living in this car with his father. Ah, uh, I have to get rid of my jiu-jitsu room. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Out of the park. Uh, <laughs> um, Exxon. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean. Yep. And my my wife's twin sister works for University of Pennsylvania, and she talks about how her job is to take the donors who part of her job uh, to take the donors who have given loads of money yep. and introduce them to the students who have benefited from their scholarships. It's kind of like they want to meet them and kind of a thank you. My sister this, runs a school. Yeah, same shit. You know what I'm saying? Yep. The same shit. So it's this, it's this weird, it's almost, it's almost like watching the news. Death, fire, kill, blah, blah, blah. And then all the other shit is left to the side that, you know, I get angry that BP is now, we support the Olympics and we cleaned up the Gulf. Well, you fucked it up to begin with. Right, so yeah, exactly. Thanks for that. So you don't really get credit for that. Yeah. Well, and then the Olympics, it's what, like McDonald's? And if all those athletes yeah. only ate from the sponsors, that of the that all, it would be like the fucking heart disease, like you just be like wheeling the athletes with like diabetes and like McDonald's along the track. McDonald's sponsor the fucking food Olympics, you know, because that's Nathan's hot dog, so there's conflict. Yeah. So it confuses me and that's something I actually enjoy watching. But I had to, it was weird to see Exxon because I'm like, well, that's cool. They donated these kids and they're helping them out. But there's less pelicans up near Alaska. So it's... it's well, this- it's, they have like that... The, the money they donate, even when they donate so much money, it's just like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what they fucking have. Right. So it's like if they can, you know, get rid of a million dollars to donate to that school, which I'm sure it was like less, but let's say they can put a million dollars in. It's like that is so fucking little to that. Well, when you think about it, like when BP and all these companies, when they fuck up, when there is an oil spill and they, you know, have to pay $30 million, that that is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of their fucking of the money they actually have. So, you know, how much is it going to cost to, you know, throw at some kids 
not much, you know what I mean? But then they can point to that because that's immediate, right? Global warming isn't immediate. Like yeah. we, the the planet isn't on fucking fire yet. I think that's why people don't care about it. It's, it kind of feels like it this year more than any it, other year. Well, I mean, it's getting there, but right now people are like, oh, that means I get to, you know, go swimming more or like, you know, I don't have to wear a jacket and like it, it's kind of nice right now. But like if you live in like a, a, a Western civilized uh, part of the world, um, you're not suffering yet. Now, with that said, you can say, well, there are places that like there's food shortage shortages now or like these like endangered species, like their homes are melting, but like people don't give a shit. Um, this is all part of your act. <laughs> yeah, I can see why uh, <laughs> this is not funny. Because I'm with you. And speaking of which, like I think how we met is so crazy. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. saw you open for Doug Stanhope. Oh my god, that's right. And I was like, this guy's so funny, amazing. And then I saw Rise Against the Next Night and my friend Poolin. That's right. Pito was like, you were backstage. He's like, this is my friend Jamie. He's really funny. I was like, dude, I saw you do a show last night. It is very rare that Doug Stanhope, Rise Against, and Pita fans... Oh, I think I think that's <laughs> it. I think it's me and you, right? Even Doug, I don't really talk... Like, fuck, man. Like, so you whole- and Doug have a lot in common? Uh, no, well, he... Uh, you don't like trailers? I just got a I just got a voicemail from him for the first time. Is he was he was bashing me on Twitter with a bunch of other comics uh, recently uh, over here's what's crazy. I have uh, in my career like I went on. This is going to be like gross, like TV name dropping, but like I I, I promise it ends with me being sad. Uh, you're allowed to brag as long as it ends with me being like, I'm miserable. Um, so I went on Conan and I talked about drone strikes and I haven't been invited back. Um, I went on Showtime and like pretty much said there wasn't a God. And if there is like, he's homophobic and it was fine. Um, we've been called out by Glenn Beck and we had maybe 10 people, Allison and I for in citizen radio. They played a clip of us and whatever. And we had maybe like 20 old people on Twitter that were like, you should... You should go to Russia or something. But it was like very tolerable. Because they treat insurgents there really nicely. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, uh, You should start a lady punk band. (laughs) Um, And uh, and it was fine. I went on my friend's (laughs) podcast who has a huge following. I went on Joe Rogan's podcast and said that rape culture is bad. So remember, I've been like, fuck God, fuck your war. I'm a vegan, fuck you. And everyone's like, all right, that's cool. And then I was like, we got to do something about rape culture. And I I almost can't, my computer's been hacked. Uh, my, every time I go on Twitter for the last week, it'll be like 500 new messages. And it's just like, I hope you get raped, you fucking faggot. I'm going to find you. I'm raping someone now. Uh, Stan Hope turned uh all of these guys i'm like not every fucking comedian uh well because it started off because i was like the daniel tosh thing wasn't funny you guys heard about that yeah yeah well i actually saw you on a plane talking about it on some sh- like panel. msnbc yeah yeah that's when every comic was like he turned and uh and so for anyone who doesn't know like uh first of all i'm not pro censorship uh if i was pro censorship my act would not be welcomed anywhere uh i don't think daniel tosh should have been censored but he was doing a show he talked about rape some girl heckled i don't like hecklers either um said i don't think rape's funny he said wouldn't it be funny if this girl was raped right now wouldn't it be funny if five guys raped her and so 
I tweeted something like, well, that's stupid. That, like something pretty like minor where I'm like, fuck that guy. Not thinking anything of it. And suddenly every comedian, including like liberal comedians that I like, like Pat Oswald, who I'm friends with, who follows me on Twitter, uh, they started like just going after this girl. And it was just so weird. One of the things I said on uh, Melissa's show was it was so weird that the comedy community – everyone always talks about like the comedy community. There's no comedy community. I mean if you think fucking musicians are like selfish, backstabbing, whatever, like comedy is like that like times a million. Well, both those, both those worlds are, oh, I liked your show. I can do better. Yes, that's exactly what it is, 100%. Yeah. Um, oh, so-and-so got uh, got a record deal? That's awesome. Uh, are you friends with her? Not anymore. Like, that. it's that. Yeah. And what's so fucked up is, like, comics, professional comics who have been all over TV, if they stop by and do a, a set in, like, New York City, they'll get, like, $25. We don't have health insurance. Uh, you have to get health insurance. Once you make enough money, you most don't have health insurance at all. But like, you know, it took me 12 years to afford health insurance. Um, we have not united over that. Like at no point has every comedian on Twitter gotten together and been like, we should try to get health insurance. We should try to unionize or whatever. However, someone says, I think it would be funny if you got raped by five guys and they're like, this is it. You know, everyone band together. Like this is going to be our fucking issue. And so, you know, doesn't sound like the issue's rape, and I and I agree with you all Harley. I was having this conversation on the train with my wife this morning. Yeah. Like, when did when did rape become in the big consciousness, and we're forgetting that any moron can get a gun easier than getting a fishing license? I don't understand. Well, I so, I mean, I I I, I, are, they, I are they arguing the joke? Is that their argument? Well, no. Well, that's what it started off. It was so hard to listen to. By the way, I listened to every episode of that podcast, and. I love it when you're on it. I, I love the show, but it was and knowing you guys are friends. You should have. Se- I mean, I just like I ran out of things like where I was like, I don't know what this. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Because like, so so to answer your question, who you know you didn't see it. So if it's if it was just the joke that I've been like just trashed about or whatever, it would be much easier for them to kind of like win the argument uh, because I don't like censorship and I don't like hecklers. So I'm put in a really rough situation. Where I just end up saying like, well, that sucked. Uh, but where it like turns into this like level of like insanity is saying there's no such thing as like rape culture. Now, rape culture, I just learned what that meant. And I would consider myself a feminist or a progressive or whatever. Um, but what you said about the gun, for example, right? One of the big arguments uh, that happened on uh, Joe's show, for example, was, you know, well, what if he said, I hope you get attacked by a monkey or I hope a monkey rips your face off and that girl's face was ripped off by a monkey. The problem is one in four girls uh, has not been attacked by a monkey. Uh, the problem is if a girl was attacked by a monkey, you wouldn't go to that girl like, well, were you drinking with the monkey? Like, did you smell like bananas? Like, did you have a relationship with that monkey before? You know, and suddenly like the onus is like on the girl. You'd be like, holy fuck, you got attacked by a monkey. So what rape culture is compared to like gun violence or, you know, censorship is essentially like this sort of combination of like victim blaming, downplaying and straight up stigmatizing, whether you're a slut, you're a whore for letting this happen, that it makes the victim or the survivor of rape afraid to report it, which is why it's like the most underreported crime we have and it's a cultural event it's globally like if you there's, oh, yeah. a, there's a story in italy about um and someone fact check it uh it was a, a you know a, a judge ruled in favor of the rapist because the woman was asking for it because of her tight jeans and there's you right. know the stories in um 
you know, Middle Eastern cultures where, you know, a woman is raped. Well, we have to kill her as a family because she's brought shame she on brought her shame home. She brought shame to the family. You know I mean? Or, you know, people don't take, like, marital rape seriously. Or, like, even the Julian Assange thing. Like, I am so fucking pro-WikiLeaks. But for every pro-WikiLeaks, quote-unquote, liberal who, you know, obviously it has to be brought to trial. I don't think, uh, I, you know, I'm not saying whether he's innocent or guilty, but there should be a trial if anyone is accused of rape, um, who are like, if fucking, if the condom breaks, like, that's not rape. It's like, no, dude, if the condom breaks and a girl says no and you don't stop, anytime someone says no, uh, that's rape. And this should be, like, a very simple thing, especially because, like, a ton of guys, like, most guys, like, have a sister or a mother or, like, a girlfriend or a wife or someone they love. That's a female. That they'd be pretty fucking upset about if the guy raped. Uh, but you know the the scariest thing to me in the and I'm I'm, I'm only using Rogan as an example because like that's sort of where it blew up. Like I'm not like trying to like talk behind anyone's back or whatever. But with so many of his fans, half the fans were like their whole timeline was just like at Joe Rogan at. Jim Norton at like their whole timeline is just like me trying to be as offensive as possible because in my head these comedians are going to become friends with me you know like right right at Daniel Tosh like hey I told Jamie Kilsey he's going to be raped and like Daniel Tosh is going to be like well you got to open for me on the road like they're just these like sad delusional lonely (laughs) fucking pieces of shit but then what really upset me is the other half were otherwise progressive but they were dudes. So it would be like you'd go on their timeline and their first one would say, at Jamie Kilstein, I hope everyone you know gets raped. Fuck you, homo. And then the next Twitter status would be like, hey, guys, that Blackwater thing's pretty fucked up, right? And it's like, whoa. Right, like, right. Or like, I don't care if fucking gay people suck dick. And it's like, well, all right, not the most tactful way to put it, but like, <laughs> I agree with you. And that's what was so scary where it's like – and this goes back to what I was saying before about like all the offensive shit I've said where it's like, fuck, man, this is why it does have to get talked about because it's like you even have this like group of like progressive guys who – no, of course I don't think every guy who wrote that to me is a rapist, but at the same time it's like fuck is if this is what you think of women, if this is how you downplay, you know, I mean even the people, the other angle, people were like, you're just trying to get feminist pussy. And I'm like, right, because rape's a great pickup line. Can you imagine how creepy that is to go up to a girl at a bar and be like, I'm not going to rape you? Like, that's right, even right, creepier right. than a rapist. Well, I had to stop listening when it got into this what's worse, rape or murder. And then, like, I was like, this is so tangential and, like, it just, like, it I don't know. They like, were just yelling was... at me. What's rape, worse, rape or murder? My friend John Neffel was just like, can you have just been like, I reject that as a question. Like, this is ridiculous. Right. Well, and then just saying stuff like, well, what if a girl comes, like, when she's raped? I'm like, this is what a rapist says. Like, that is fucking crazy. And and that's the problem is, if again, if it stayed on censorship. And that's the whole thing, too, right? Where it's like, all right, so if one in four girls has well, been sexually hold, assaulted. Hold on. Hold on. So, okay. As a parent of two daughters. Yeah. Someone said, what if she comes? Yeah, the co-host of Rogan Show said that. Crazy, right? That is really... Okay, I, as, as someone, again, who... Well, I, I think I'm his role dis- on that show is kind of just to say weird, dumb the, stuff The weird, offensive joke. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he barely... I'm all t- about saying, and, and I've been caught many times, as you know, Jonah, saying weird, offensive shit in print on TV. Yes. Had to defend things, apologize for jokes I have made <laughs> that are <laughs> so awful. Why have we all been friends for, for so <laughs> well, long? This though, is right? why we're here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Where I'm just like, I almost just started crying, like, preach, brother. <laughs> like, like, this... like. But that to say that, I mean, I again, I, I can I can see the point of view of I'm going to say this to be reactionary. I don't believe it. You know what I mean? Where does but that the, even come from? But the exactly like you have to have like your mind has to have been there in some some certain respect. But like I don't understand why 
there there's 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 a different like like the definition of of rape should be rape awful now of right. course there is statutory which is different where there's a statutory rape system where if like the you kids, have like a 17 year old kid and like a 16 yes. year old girl and it's like consensual and yeah i mean my art my discussion this morning on the train loudly anyone else have this <laughs> jersey you, got, um, you didn't get yelled at for talking on the train no no one yelled at no, me for talking on the okay. train again today Whatever. Was it because you were screaming about rape and they were like, let's just let him be? Yeah, just let him go. <laughs> like, but when did we become Vikings? Like, when did the culture right. of Scandinavia <laughs> happen? Again? I, here's a joke that a friend of mine told in college. Seriously, he said the reason Scandinavian women are so gorgeous because the Vikings were very specific of who they raped. There's a rape joke. Right. You know, and it's a bad joke, but it's not. Unlike, why am I yelling? There's a microphone right here that's amplifying the this sound. This conversation well, makes everyone we, yell at Jamie. Because whispering about rape is creepier. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> See, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I think, I think people think that there's these like <laughs> feminist words, like you can't say the word rape or whatever. I just wrote 15 minutes, if I ever do stand-up again, but I did do it in LA before the Rogan podcast. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, after. On rape culture, uh, and, and, and the difference is it's like, it's not attacking the fucking person who was raped that's the huge difference right like you can talk about an issue how we're talking about it right now right and i don't think we're being offensive or whatever um you know what was crazy is like so that the cum thing as awful as that was you can say that was a joke or whatever but they were also seriously arguing i mean and this is when like i just stopped giving a shit about comedy like i just in that moment i just stopped caring because it's like you have this group of predominantly ma- white males who think they're so fucking important where it's like the majority of people on the street, number one, wouldn't recognize most of the comics all of us love, right? So it's like – it's not like we're in this huge like – I don't know, man. It's like when when, when someone says – because I would have made the same argument 10 years ago when all I had was comedy. You know what I mean? And all I did was like obsess over like the most offensive comedians I could find. My only political issue would have been the free speech issue. But just after like reading about like so many people's like and getting so many emails about people who were sexually assaulted or were raped or just reading political blogs or just starting to care about politics, I'm just like, man, comedy is so fucking insignificant. I think it's important to be able to laugh about issues, especially serious issues. I mean, again, that's my whole that's been my whole fucking career. But at the same time, it's like to 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 think that a rich comedian who has the number one show on Comedy Central, that he's more important than the one in four girls who like maybe that fucking triggers something when a white dude is screaming with a microphone it would be really funny if you got raped i don't care if he was kidding and but no but again i'm not saying so he should be censored like that's what's so crazy is he wasn't he went back to his number one show on comedy central he's fine but the fact that it's like man we better stick up for that fucking millionaire as opposed to like a girl who was fucking raped it's like fuck you like i don't give a shit about your fucking spoiled priorities anymore like those aren't my fucking priorities anymore and and for the comics to think they're being so edgy for defending rape it's like you think you're being edgy by defending a rich white guy that's the fucking least edgy thing you can do you know what i mean if you were being edgy maybe you'd have some fucking pushback from your fucking mutant minions on twitter but you're not being edgy you're saying what every fucking dude wants you to say that's the least controversial thing you can say is making fun of objectified women you know definitely so where are you at kind of now personally i mean do you have no interest in doing comedy i I canceled all my shows um i guess the first time i've talked about it yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do i mean we do the we do the podcast five days a week um allison and i before all this happened uh got a, a book deal with simon and schuster 
that essentially we don't even have a title, but it was, we want you to be as left as you want to be. So we're like done. So we're just going to write about all these political issues. We're going to write about this. Um, and so I'm going to focus on that. You know, I'm trying to figure it out because I, I just I, figured it out for you. Yeah. You ready? I have your answer. You have to do comedy. Well, and, and, and so that's what Al, that's what my wife, you and, have to, because this is one, you're, you're at this precipice where, like this is the kind of thing that will, as they say in wrestling, you go over. Right. You know. Yeah. Are you yeah, a fan? Yeah. Do you understand? I Are you understand. with me? Okay. Fair enough. I have no idea what you're talking about. All righty. It's when right now I'm the heel of comedy. Yes, he's the heel, <laughs> and he needs to do a heel turn, and he's got the bat. He does not have the right because a friend of mine who we're going to get in here who wrote for the WWF who has amazing stories. His name's not Matt, is it? No. Okay. I have a friend. No. The um uh he. You know, when you when you write for wrestling, you write with an older school guy with uh, like like Ricky Steamboat or Dusty Rhodes yeah, yeah, yeah. or P.S. Michael Hayes, you know, who's still there. He's the man, you know. Then you get a younger writer and the older guys kind of back the old way of thinking this kind of way. And they don't understand why, you know, these, you know, older heels and faces, uh, faces, a good guy aren't going over. And the younger guys who say, you know, years ago back, whether you like him or not, CM Punk, because they see something yeah, yeah. that he's going to. The crowd's gonna like go with him. They see something. It might be the underdog. Might be you know this kind of. Well, Shawn Michaels thing. was like Shawn a big Michaels, one for yeah. my generation. Oh, completely. Yeah. Where, where it's like it wasn't just like a one day turn. That's what made it so cool. Is it was this like really. It, slow... it was when he super kicked Marty Jannetty. That's when he when, when it happened when he left the Rockers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is what the podcast is about. Oh, um, I'm so uh, I haven't talked about this in fucking decades. Oh yeah, when he super kicked him, boom, that's what happened. So, but this or is still Steve Austin, where it's like even while he's a bad guy, people are starting to cheer for him. So it it's was like, when All he right, did that. So we have it was to, the like... Jake the Snake match. That's what did that. It was because do you know you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, I just have a Jake the Snake story, which is so depressing. Uh, but <laughs> well, I, I think but all of his stories are super all of depressing. his stories are depressing. We've we've seen beyond the mat. Steve yes. Austin is fighting Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake apparently is a is a. Uh, became born again for that moment. He was in big crackhead. And uh, Wait, real quick, so I have to tell him, that was my oh. story. So I wanted to be a pro wrestler when I was a kid. Oh, dude. And I wanted to be a pro wrestler so bad. We did like the, the backyard wrestling. I got like fucking 12 staples in my head from Why would a chair you do shot. That? Uh, oh, that's all I wanted to do. And so we found out that Jake the Snake Roberts was doing like a wrestling demo in my neighborhood in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. And I got so fucking excited because it was the first time because I never I couldn't afford to like go to a WWF match or anything. But this was free. And I'm like, awesome. And so we uh, we show up and like it's in a church. Remember, I'm little. I don't know about fucking anything. So it's in a church. and I'm like, well, this is kind of weird because I didn't go to church, but I'm like, whatever. And we show up and uh, and there's a wrestling ring and he's talking and he's like, you know, I've had to wrestle a lot of people in my day. And then, like, he paused and it was like, but my, my biggest opponent was addiction. And that's like when I looked at my friend and I'm like, oh no, like, what's <laughs> going on? And yeah, it was just this weird finding God. I think probably the guy he was wrestling was like, you know, the metaphorical addiction and like shit like that. And I'm like, oh, this is so weird and super sad. And that was, I was uh, really hoping you were going to say bear at the end of that statement. <laughs> Wait, so let's let's bring a full circle. Yeah. You were talking you were saying Jamie has to continue to do He has comedy. to continue doing because you're, you're at the press where you're gonna right. go over. Well, here's This something. is right where you are. And right now, dude, you've been punched about a bit and, and you're hurt and it sucks, but this is Is everyone slow clapping? What'd you say? Is everyone slow clapping? Is this one? There's like, no slow clapping. We, we both got knocked down and like <laughs> Look, it's Dude, you're talking to two dudes who do nothing but support bands that only they like. Right. You know, okay? <laughs> that's it. I've been to shows where it's Jonah and I, and that's it. Yeah. You well, here's what, here's what I'm debating. Because um, 
because it, it, it was really hard doing all that traveling and stuff like that anyway. And I definitely don't want to support comedy clubs. So what I started to do a while ago was kind of a more Stanhope model where I would go to a city, play a rock club and sell it out with just my audience. But I'm like, this is also the audience that only listens to Citizen Radio anyway. So it's very fun and like self-masturbatory for me. Just actually get like cheered instead of just doing a podcast. But I'm like, I don't need to do it and it's not really growing the audience. So now what I'm debating doing is like – so to me, like that was being innovative. But it wasn't being innovative because it was just ripping off what Stanhope did. And you know, I think the reason Citizen Radio was so successful is because we started it before podcasts got super popular. We started like the indie funding before Louis C.K. did it. Um you know, no one really talks about stuff like we talk about. So I'm like, how can I do that with comedy? And now I'm debating. I'm like, maybe there's a way to do it online. Because like, I really want to get this like rape culture rant that I wrote out there. And I'm like, at the same time, it's like the people who like were like bullying me on Twitter. Like, I don't want to. I, I don't want it to seem like I've been like downgraded to YouTube webcam video. But I'm also kind of like, man. I mean, the internet's where like Citizen Radio made it. And I'm sort of like, maybe there is a way that I can do something. Where I'm still doing it, but I can get it online to more people. But I, I don't know. I'm like, what was I, the thing that, that William Beckett's doing? The the he he would do he does shows online that you set the you set the ticket price to whatever you want, and people pay to watch it. Oh Jesus Christ! And, uh, you'll have to go back well, and listen or, to our previous episode with William Beckett. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. Or what Dave Bazan does, which his manager Undertow does, where he just books house shows, like sends out an email, these right. are the cities I want to go to. But that's the same as doing the rock Yeah, club, I guess that's the same. Like, I mean, it was super fun. Like, You're the just playing to the great. same people like, who know you. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm kind of like, man, if I put that fucking rape culture video on YouTube, it's definitely going to look low budge. Like, it sucks not having an audience. Like, obviously having an audience is cooler. But I'm like, if I can find a way, I think I'm going to try it this week and like not look ridiculous, you know, then like, and just get it out online. I'm like... More people will see it more. I mean, that, cause that's my only goal. Like, I don't, I don't need to be like cheered at a show. Like, my only goal, and I would, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I would never debate quitting. Uh, you know, I would never let these motherfuckers win ever. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, if the only goal is to get this sort of political message in a funny way out to people, I'm like, I'm doing it with the podcast. Um, I do think my stand-up style was, like, different, and, like, I'd hate to, like, throw that away or whatever. Um, did you do Paul Provenza's show? Yeah. I mean, Paul's one of the reasons that I make a living. That's how I saw you. Yeah. 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 yeah, room, yeah. I did yeah. the gay marriage, like, the you rant did the thing. Rant. With, yes, you with did. With Ron White across from me and that Louis Black next to me. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. No, no, no. That, was, that is what I did. I haven't talked about – Paul was, like, his number one issue is censorship, so I'm, like, we haven't even talked. I mean, he didn't, like, publicly, like, fucking bash me like a lot of people did, but he uh, – we haven't talked since then. But he's been in – the uk so i'm just hoping he didn't hear about it <laughs> Dude, he'd be great to talk about it. he just gets really irked <laughs> well, i think the craziest part about this well i think two things a i think that you're maybe discounting the fact that like even if you're getting all these hate tweets whatever at least maybe you planted that seed in and i have gotten a couple of those and, and i'm sure like those people never would think of that side even if they disagree that that argument is yeah. still in bed in their head what I, in the moment you ignore that, but now that like it's been a week or so, I'm kind of like, all right, so one of a hundred tweets or emails I got were from someone who has been raped or someone who changed their mind. And I'm like, at the time, because you're just getting like lambasted with just so many threats and so many whatever, it doesn't matter. But now that I've kind of like stepped back and I'm like, oh, that's really important. I mean, if one person who was sexually assaulted was like, oh my God, like, thank Christ there's at least like one dude comic who doesn't think it's funny to talk about like my rape, then I'm like, of course I know that's worth it. Like in the moment you're kind of just like, uh, nothing's worth it. This is horrible, blah, right. blah, blah. But, uh, 
Yeah, you're right. And I mean, and then there were a couple of dudes and they're mainly jujitsu guys who wrote and they're like, Hey man, I never thought of it that way. Or like whatever, you know? And, and that I got to tell myself is like worth it, you know? And you know what, what's crazy is like, uh, you know, this ended up being about me and like, I'm another white dude, but like all my female journalist friends get this shit every time they write a piece about sex. I mean, my friend, uh, Lori Penny just wrote a piece for a huge UK newspaper about being sexually assaulted. And dude, the comments on there make you want to like, stop being a, a dude. Like, I mean, they were just the most horrendous, yeah. like you're a fucking whore, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, shit, man, if a girl can't talk about being sexually assaulted without guys just like, be monsters then like clearly this is an issue and i think a lot of like progressive guys don't think about sexism because it's like well women can vote wasn't that the thing <laughs> you know what i mean no, that's like i i like it's not like anything it is when i was in college krs1 came and, yeah. and spoke and i went uh the guy I was in a band with and we were we were the white guys <laughs> yeah in the crowd and he came out and said there can be no end of racism till there's an end of sexism huh. boom first thing he said oof and I was like, all right, right on. The, the the majority of the guys who are tweeting me, like I said, I don't think they're just like, this dude, if he keeps talking, I'm not going to be able to rape anyone anymore. But I do think that, you know, these are guys who have either been like rejected by women or have some kind of like subconscious fucking hatred or fear of women and dehumanizing them or just thinking of them. I mean, even the guys who are like, you're just trying to get feminist pussy. All right. So let's take that for example. It's it's less hateful than the I hope you get raped. Um, but at the same time, so you're saying the only reason I would stick up for a woman who is being raped is to get pussy, which means that you see women as straight up like penis receptacles or you know what I mean? And, you know, there is this day to day sexism. And I try to explain this on the podcast. Like we don't understand. We will never understand what it's like. To be a female, we'll never understand to be like, I can't go fucking jogging at night without being afraid or like I have to have someone fucking walk me to my car or like I have to like walk down the street and like, I mean, guys are always like, man, that would be awesome to be told how hot you are all the time. Really? That would be awesome. (laughs) Like when you're fucking like with a kid or with your boyfriend or like walking at night or to have people like aggressively, oh man, like those fucking girls like are so lucky they can get laid whenever they want. Like even when like they don't want to, like I wish I was walking down an alley and some girl jumped out wanted to fuck me with a knife you know what i mean it's just like you're crazy right right i mean but this is literally the argument that like otherwise intelligent people use um i was talking yesterday uh not about that but uh which is a great topic of conversation um we're gonna have to do a part two to this you fuck what t- yeah what time is it i think we've been here for an hour um we should do part two but i yeah. just want to say something really quick uh to kind of bring it again full circle to the comedy community let's take the the rate what you're going through now let's take out the fact that you're def- you're defending women in a rape situation i think it's crazy that people who are your friends would not want to be friends because of something like that and do you think that that's kind of a symptom of just the comedy because i feel like there's nothing i anyone could say if they were really my friend where i would be like fuck this guy i'm not gonna right or you'd at least like give them like a heads up like hey we disagree about right this. right We're right talk about exactly it. Or, like, exactly you know, just so you know like i disagree with you on this i'm gonna tweet about it or whatever yeah i mean it's a. Uh... But I mean, that goes to show that like, I mean, comics just don't, I mean, there was a dude who was like tweeting about it who like, I got that guy to open for me once. And it was like, fuck all you guys. Uh, But I think it's like the comedy community is so insular and shit on usually that I think it's just like he turned against us. 
as opposed to like he has his own view. I mean, how ironic is that, that this whole thing was started about censorship and it's like, all right, so the, again, the dude with the number one show can say whatever he wants that against people who have been raped, but like, I can't say, uh, I can't say the opposite or I can't criticize him where it, I mean, it very much is that like one of us mentality, I think where it's like, they think I'm throwing comedy under the bus. They're like they think uh, comedians are the real rape victims here, and yet, you know all, I mean? and yet all of them would make make fun of Larry the Cable Guy, totally. Well, who, that, was, dude, who was one of those bazillionaires who donates more money than you know you think he does? Yeah, I found that out. Uh, you know? But fucking uh, the next week, Dane Cook made a joke about the Aurora shooting. Yeah, he did, and I didn't see the comedy community rise up nope. against you know Gawker or all these people that were calling him out on it. Um, where he said, "Has Jeff I, Ross contacted you?" Yes, not because he made that exact same argument about you know comedians have to apologize, and then he made an Aurora joke and fucking apologized. Yeah, yeah, and I don't understand that. Well, Dane Cook was worse because his joke was like, I think we were all thinking during Batman, I wish someone could shoot us, and I was like, you know, I'm mad that you made fun of the shooting, but I'm more mad that you didn't like Batman. (laughs) Uh, Is that even a joke? Like that sounds like something like a. 12 year old would say no, he's but... a bad fucking writer and same with tosh that's not you can make a fucking clever joke about the situation that's the thing i had a fucking dude i tried to talk this on joe's podcast i was talking about the war and he like ran up to the stage and was like if you say anything else i'm gonna kick your ass pussy i'm like that's more censorship than the girl saying i don't think rape's funny you know what i mean and like and i didn't tell that guy like i wish you got shot in iraq you know how shit on i would have gotten by by the comedy community you know and you know like we were talking about like people didn't want to stick up for Dane Cook because and the Aurora shooting was awful sure but the Aurora shooting doesn't happen every day rape happens every day um I'm really shocked about and and I don't you know want to hurl a name out but like of Pat and Oswald because we're from both from Northern Virginia and if you've gone to a fucking Fugazi show in your life (laughs) he started to backtrack his shit he felt bad and he and he definitely started to backtrack it but I mean that you're not saying don't make the joke you're saying you know what the joke is about is yeah, the issue and the if you're going to make happened. the yeah and if you're going to make the joke there is a way to do it yeah. you know and get both points across totally yeah 100 percent. but yeah let's do part two of this anytime yes thank you so much for coming by it's uh, so funny i thought this would be the last thing you want to talk about i'm like jamie's probably so sick of this but i'm glad you got a chance no, to clear the air because I, I still felt have like, like feelings of hey well yeah i mean i'm still having people tweet me every day that are like well you're pro censorship and it's just like i cannot say uh, enough that i'm not don't um, stop doing stand-up thank you guys yeah it'll turn into jamie's online comedy bunker and I'll just be doing it from like a fucking safe house and from your jujitsu mat. From my jujitsu mat, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if you don't like rape, tweet me because uh, I started going on Twitter again and it's still happening. But it's at Jamie Kilstein because I feel crazy. And your uh, podcast is Citizens United. Uh, Citizen it's, Radio. <laughs> Citizens, yeah, yeah. It's uh, we are citizenradio.com and uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, we have people that are famous on. Cool. We'll see you at the Bad Religion Show. There you go. Uh, intense stuff. And we will have a part two. Yes, we definitely will. I like getting a little backstory on the guest. And aside from the fact that he grew up in Pennington, New Jersey, I don't know how he got into comedy or anything. It just kind of went from there. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about his veganism. We didn't talk about a lot, of, a lot of this stuff. But I feel like what we talked about was very important and very timely. And um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we'll have him back. And I feel like he'll, he'll be around for a while. For uh, upcoming sure. things for us. Uh, Jonah, got any plugs for writing things going on 
Um, MySpace. Well, we're doing a live going off track. Oh, yeah, we're doing the live. That might be a good thing to promote. That will be uh, September 22nd at Union Hall at 7.30. Um, Prior going off track guests, Norman Brannon. Yes. Texas is a reason. Jeff Rickley from Thursday. Jeff is performing his first acoustic performance ever in Yes, New York Jeff City. will be playing a couple songs. Julie Klausner, Julie. who we all love. And, and our good friend, uh, Ultra Girl. Ultra Girl, Sarah Lewitton, who has not been on the podcast, but I'm sure will soon. Oh, yeah, she'll be here. And tickets are available for that um, through Union Hall. So that's exciting. Oh, we have t-shirts now. Yeah, baby. T-shirts, stickers, pins. We'll have some of those there at the show. We're merged uh, out here. What? Uh, we're not screwing around. Did you bring me a t-shirt? No, I didn't. I totally forgot about <laughs> it as I was skateboarding here and falling. Um, but um, we'll see you guys all next week. Hey, hit us up on Facebook, Going Off Track. Go to our brand spanking new website. We haven't talked about yes, that. Yes, we have a new website that's amazing. So uh, thank you so much to Scott. Uh, Parsley and Sprouts. Parsley and Sprouts. Use them. They're the best. God, they were cool. And they, just, and they answered all my stupid questions so nicely. But yeah, thank you so much to everyone for listening, um, especially to this episode. I think it's really important. There you go. Jamie Kilstein. See you in a week.